We mentioned last time that we we live in a world live in a world that's broken, don't we? We don't we don't have to go far, we don't have to look far to see brokenness all around us. We see a world where um, people are hungry uh, for satisfaction, for contentment, for joy. And yet we see over and over again that the, the things of the world uh, do not offer lasting satisfaction or contentment. And, and we thought a little bit last week about, about joy. As we look through the book of Philippians, uh, the word joy is mentioned in Philippians in one form or another 19 times. Um, some scholars nickname it the book of joy. Paul is expressing his joy uh, in the Lord Jesus, his joy at knowing uh, the Lord Jesus. Um, and I want us to continue that thought of, of, of how do we respond in the midst of difficult circumstances? How do we react? How are we sustained in times that are hard and challenging? And so if you would, open, uh, open your Bible to Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 18. If, if you're using a Bible there on the table, it's page 1178, 1178 uh, in the Bible there on the table. And uh, would encourage you to, to continue taking notes uh, either with, your, um, with the, the study guide or, or whatever you might have available um, uh, page 1178, and, and Paul is going to continue for you and I uh, to, to talk about um, how we respond in the midst of challenging times. Uh, we're going to begin in verse, uh, verse 18, beginning in verse 18. Uh, the context is, if you were with us last time, remember the context is that um, there are some people, Paul's in prison, Okay, Paul is in prison, and while he's there in prison, there are some in prison who are also sharing the gospel, and they're doing it because they love Jesus like Paul, and, and they're trying to, to help. And there are others who are there, and they are sharing the gospel, but they're actually doing it from false motives, and they're doing it to cause trouble for Paul, all right? And that's where we then pick up in verse 18. But what does it matter? Right? What does it matter, that the motive of someone? He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and, and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. 
So convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray in these next few moments as we study your word, we, uh, we ask Holy Spirit that you would open our minds, that you would give us understanding of your word, that we would comprehend the meaning. But Lord, we also pray that by your spirit that you would soften our hearts. For Lord, we simply don't want to know, but we want to be transformed and changed. We want to leave here more like Jesus. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you uh, would do a work that only you can do through your word and your people. Uh, bless our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul um, continues to talk about joy and continues to talk about um, what God is doing in and through his circumstances. Um, now, just to remind us, the Apostle Paul is in prison. He's been imprisoned in Rome for preaching the gospel. Um, I mentioned to you um, last week that my wife, Christy, and our daughter, Kayla, when she turned 16, they, uh, with some other moms and daughters, they did a girl's trip to Rome. And one of the places they visited there in Rome, it's still there, is the actual place where Paul was imprisoned. And this is a picture of it. Um, and it's, it's maybe not necessarily what we might envision, uh, but this is, uh, this is where Paul was imprisoned. It is actually in a house. The house is still there in Rome. It's now a museum. And, and uh, Roman officials lived in the house, and Paul was imprisoned in what you and I would think of as a basement. Um, and it's really important that we, we look at this and grasp this. It is, it is a block stone basement. If you'll notice, there's only one source of light. Um, it is a hole that goes all the way through. That is open to the elements. So when it rains, uh, the water comes down through there. And that's it. That is the entire room. And Paul was in there for two years. For two years. And just out of curiosity, I looked. Uh, in Rome, in the winter, the average temperature is two degrees. So he's there for two years. In the winter, the average temperature would be two degrees. In Rome, uh, in summer, the average temperature in July is 32. Two years. And, and not to be crude, but there is no toilet. There's no wash basin. This is where he's at. And it's important that we grasp this because from this room, Paul writes this letter and talks about his joy overflowing. Uh, we, we, we will find other times Paul is in and out of prison um, for preaching the gospel. Um, and, and we find when he's in prison, we'll read in the book of Acts about him singing and worshiping. We'll read uh, about him praying. We'll read about him proclaiming the gospel. Uh, we saw last week that he says because of the gospel, everyone in the praetorium, all of the guards for the Roman emperor had heard the gospel and, and most, most scholars say that would be about 9,000 men. And so 24 hours a day for two years, he would be in here and he would be chained to a Roman soldier. Right? 
He would be chained to a Roman soldier. And for two years, you have this cycle of different soldiers every day who are chained to Paul. And Paul makes it clear that every day for two years, he had shared the gospel to the point where all the guards knew about Jesus. Now, I I will just be really transparent to say it does not take much in my life to rob me of joy. Out of milk. I'm out of joy, right? Uh, My favorite sports team loses. I'm out of joy, right? And so let's, 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 I want to hear like, Paul, how do you have this kind of joy? How how do you have a joy that has you locked up in a place like this for two years and and you're singing and proclaiming the gospel? And, um, and so we're just going to see four simple truths about, about what sustained Paul in the midst of difficult circumstances. Because here's the reality. Um, All of us go through difficult times in life. Amen? All of us. And and I heard someone once say that life is, is a series, it's a cycle of either about to go into a storm, in the midst of a storm, or coming out of a storm. Life can just, life can be that way sometimes. And so we want to hear like, Lord, how do we have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. Uh, four simple truths for us this morning. Number one, uh, we see this, that in the midst of difficult circumstances, Paul was supported by the prayers of God's people. In the midst of difficult circumstances, Paul was supported by the prayers of God's people. Um, that There is a a really, really powerful insight to this um, in verse 19. In verse 19, he says, Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for that I know through your prayers what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Don't miss that. Paul says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers... What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Uh, Paul says um, that because of your prayers, I know that God will deliver me. He will deliver me. Uh, Listen carefully to to this. This is in 2 Corinthians. Just listen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And Paul is talking about a journey they were on where they almost died. All right. Remember, Paul has been shipwrecked before. He's been stoned. Paul's been through all these things. And he's telling the church at Corinth about one of these times. And listen what Paul says. He says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. We thought we were going to die. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Listen, listen carefully. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. By your prayers. That many would give thanks on behalf of of us. Gracious favor to you. That's uh, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 10 and 11. Just jot that down. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Paul says... I thought we were going to die, but I want you to know, Christians in Corinth, because of your prayers, God delivered me. 
Paul writes to the church in Philippi, a different city, a different church. And he says, I want you to know, because of your prayers, God is going to deliver me. Paul takes prayer and deliverance and connects them together. And he does this with multiple churches. He says, God's work in my life is directly connected to the prayers of God's people. God's work in my life is directly connected to the prayers of God's people. Uh, in, in the New Testament, which was originally written in Greek, there are numerous words for prayer. And here, the word prayer is, is what we would think of as petition. Um, the idea is seeking and asking. Seeking and asking. Um, uh, have you, maybe one of your children uh, has the gift of seeking and asking when they were little, um, where they would just ask for something, and it's like your answer, and if it wasn't the answer they wanted, it didn't register, and so what did they keep doing? They kept seeking and asking, seeking and asking, right? And, and that's actually the word here. It, it's in this continual tense that, that to pray in this way is to never stop seeking and asking. And Paul says, you've been seeking and asking on my behalf, and I want you to know, I know God's going to work. I know God's going to work. So is it any surprise that we saw two weeks ago that Paul says, one of the most loving things we can do for one another is what? Pray for one another. I've been guilty of it before, and I've heard other believers say something like me, well, all we can do is pray. As if somehow that's like, God's plan Z, right? Or, or as if it's like, well, we don't really have anything better to do, so we'll pray. And here Paul says, if there's anything you can do, just pray. Because as you pray, church in Corinth, God protected me on the open seas. As you pray, church in Philippi, I've been able to share the gospel with every guard that's in the vicinity. As you pray, God Works Now, here's the key. Does God always answer the prayers the way we anticipate he'll answer them? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. God, God doesn't always answer prayers the way I would. Uh, maybe you're like me, and sometimes I've thought, well, Lord, I think I could have done that better. As if, right? As if. So uh, we, we have to remember what we saw last week, right? Romans eight twenty eight that God uh, is always working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so uh, even when God works in a way I wouldn't anticipate, God is always doing above and beyond what we could ever think or ask. Because here's the reality. After, after time in this prison, uh, Paul's plan is to go to Spain and preach the gospel in Spain, but instead he's going to be beheaded, going to be killed. And so we might say, well, well, wait a minute. Paul said he had confidence that God would answer his prayers, the prayers of the church, but yet he, he's martyred. How does that work? And what we'll see is when, when Paul's martyred, it's almost like the, the spread of the gospel becomes viral. And the gospel moves in ways after his death that is, is nothing but supernatural. And Paul's already said, even if I die, it's gain. And so, um, uh, in the midst of difficult circumstances, Paul was supported by the prayers of God's people. Um, man, let's, let's be a people who pray for one another. Uh, again, let me encourage you, if, if you haven't got one of these uh, Oikos family, please take one. Um, 
and we have it in our kitchen because I know if it's near our refrigerator, I will see it multiple times a day. Amen, Max? It's my son. He said yes, right? We keep this beside our refrigerator. People will be prayed for, right? As we pray for one another, God does amazing things. Let me encourage us in a second thing. If, if the Lord places someone on your heart and you're praying for them, let them know. Let them know. What we'll find in every one of Paul's letters, every one of them, is he'll tell people that he's praying for them, and sometimes he'll, he'll name them by name. I'm praying for you. It's, it's, it's not what Jesus was saying about you know, you know, praying in your closet. This is different. This is, this is prayer as an act of love, and, and if God has someone on your heart and you're praying for them, can I just encourage you, send them a text. Um, send them a text that just says, do you know what? I'm praying for you today. Because uh, if you've ever been on the receiving end of a message like that, you know that God has a beautiful way of getting that message to you right when you need it. And it can give you an encouragement, and it can give your brother and sister an encouragement um, I went to the, went, we got our mail just uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we've been a bit of a rough patch in our family, some, some things in the last couple of months. And I went, and there's, uh, there, there's a letter, and uh, it's addressed from America, and, uh, and I, I didn't recognize the address. It was from Alabama. I've never been to Alabama. And, and so I opened it up, and, um, and it was a four-page handwritten letter, four pages handwritten. And so I sat down. And the opening line was, my name is Ruth, we've never met. And I'm like, it's a good opening line, you got me. And uh, she said, I'm 90 years old, and I used to go to the care homes every week and visit people, but now I can't. And so I've been praying and asking the Lord, what can I do? And the Lord said, what you can do, Ruth is pray for missionaries. She said, and so I called the, the headquarters and just asked for a random name, and they gave me your name. In the next three pages, handwritten, 90-year-old Miss Ruth told me everything she was praying for me and my family. Now, I'll never meet Ruth until heaven, but she is on my top five to find once I get there. Because that letter landed in our door right when I needed it. And thank you, Lord, for 90-year-old women who take the time to write letters to let people know they're praying. And so uh, as, as we pray to support one another, let's, let's share that. Let's encourage that. Uh, let's create a culture where we pray and where we share encouragements of prayer. Uh, secondly, we see this. In the midst of difficult circumstances, Paul was supported by the prayers of God's people. But secondly, uh, Paul was strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul says again in verse 19. Paul says this, uh, For I know that through your prayers, and watch this, and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul says, I've been supported by the prayers of God's people, and I've been strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Paul knew. Paul knew this, that, that let me, uh, in fact, I'm just going to back up for us. 
Because I think I just think it helps to see it. This is what Paul knew. Everybody look here. Paul knew that there were always three people in this room at all times. At all times, there were three people. There was Paul, there was a Roman guard, and there was the Spirit of Jesus. For two years, there were three people in this room. One rotated in and out. Two of them never left. Paul and the Spirit of Jesus were always there. Amen? And so, Paul then says, let me get back for us. Paul says, in the midst of these trials, right, Paul makes the point, through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit, and I love the way he says that. Uh, It would be awesome if he said the Holy Spirit, but I love what he says, the Spirit of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, that I've been supported by the prayers of God's people, but I've been strengthened by the power of the Spirit of Jesus. Jesus was with me. Now, um, what, what do we receive from the Holy Spirit? What do we receive from the Spirit of Jesus? Um, this, is, this is John 14, 26, and, uh, and this is in the Amplified Bible. So it's a translation of the Bible that pulls out all the Greek words, if you've ever read that translation, the Amplified Bible. And uh, I think the Amplified Bible says it really well. Look at this on the screen. This is Jesus describing the Spirit. He says, but the Helper, the Helper being the Comforter, the Advocate, the Intercessor, the Counselor, the Strengthener, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, meaning in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I told you. Isn't that beautiful? This is what Paul is saying, that in this this prison basement, in this place for two years, he says, with me, with me, I have a comforter. Do you think Paul needed comfort? I would think so. Have you ever been accused of something you didn't do? He's in prison for two years. He committed no crime, but he has a comforter. He has an advocate. Paul may not have a legal team, but he has an advocate. He has the Holy Spirit who represents him. He has an intercessor. The Bible says Paul is the one who writes, who says, when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Paul has someone with him praying for him in the prison cell. Amen? This was a Pentecostal church. We'd be shouting a lot louder. Amen? I mean, that's pretty good. Like, Paul is down here with the Spirit of Jesus, and the Spirit is praying for Paul. If, if not a single Christian ever prayed for him, Jesus was praying for him. And so Paul is surrounded by prayer. He says he has a counselor. Paul needs wisdom. Do I keep sharing the gospel? Do I quit sharing the gospel? Do I ask to be set free? What do I tell them, Lord? He has a counselor. He has a strengthener. Do you think he ever felt weak? I'd imagine the food down there wasn't too great, right? I'd imagine there are days he felt physically and mentally exhausted. He had a strengthener, the Holy Spirit, who was with him. And so I want you to know, church, that when you and I go through the storms of life, that we are supported by the prayers of God's people. But I want you to know that we are strengthened by the Spirit of Jesus. And it doesn't matter how big the storm is, how fast the winds blow, or how high the waves get, when Jesus is in your boat, you will be all right. Amen?
For he is the one who says, peace be still. And who is this man that even the wind and waves obey? And so uh, we are uh, we're supported by the prayers of one another. But we are strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, Paul says to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, he says, and when I'm weak, then you are strong. The weaker I get, the stronger the Spirit is in me. The weaker I get, the stronger the Spirit is within me. By the way, church, that's, that's why it's okay to not be okay sometimes. That's why it's okay to not be okay sometimes. Sometimes people come to church and someone will say, how are you? And, and we'll, we'll uh, say, fine, right, good. And maybe we're not. It's, it's okay to not be good and fine sometimes. Because when we are weak, Jesus is strong. Uh, we uh, see a third truth, and it's this. In the midst of difficult circumstances, uh, we're supported through prayer. We're strengthened by the Spirit. But then thirdly, in the midst of difficult circumstances, Paul was sustained by the promise of eternal life. Paul was sustained by the promise of eternal life. Look what Paul uh, says here in verses 20. In 21, Paul says this, and uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's kind of, I think if Paul had a t-shirt that had his vision statement on it, uh, this would be Paul's vision statement. It's this, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like that, Paul, that, that is Paul's life motto. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, Paul is always sustained by uh, an eternal perspective. Paul knew that what's two years in prison when I'm looking forward to eternity in heaven with Jesus. And so the idea of eternal life sustained Paul in the midst of difficult circumstances. Uh, The writer of Hebrews says this, uh, Hebrews 13, 14, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Uh, There's an old spiritual that we sing in the States that says, I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Anybody know that song? I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun, anybody? Ding, 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 right? Man, we've, we've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. In fact, gold is so commonplace in heaven, they use it for pavement. They don't use it for pavement because it's precious. They, they use it because in heaven, compared to Jesus, gold is nothing more than asphalt. Come on. And Paul says that sustains me. You want to kill me? Kill me. I just end up in heaven with Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Lord, give us that kind of boldness and faith. Paul says the worst they can do is kill me. And all they'll do by killing me is the greatest compliment because the minute my heart stops, I'm with my Savior in glory. Amen? it's it's what sustains him. Think about this. Think about this. This thought occurred to me a couple years ago, and it's this, that here on earth, here on earth, 
If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, this earth is the closest you'll ever get to heaven. But if you're a Christian, this earth is the closest you'll ever get to hell. Think about that. If you're not a believer, this earth is the closest you'll get to heaven. All the good things here is the closest you'll get to heaven. But you know what? If you're a believer, the bad stuff here is the closest you'll ever get to hell. And so for us, uh, an eternal perspective is critical. Peter talks about this. Peter says that a thousand years on earth is but one day in heaven. Think about that. Peter says in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter, Peter is writing to the churches that have been scattered and they're being persecuted. And Peter says, hold tight, don't give up, because a thousand years on earth is one day in heaven. Do you know what that means? By heaven's calendar, Jesus has only been gone two days. Jesus has only been gone two days, right? And so uh, you and I uh, want to be sustained because here's what happens to me sometimes. And it, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle we all battle. Um, everything in me is garnered towards my flesh, right? Like it, I, I need to clothe it. I need to feed it. I need to keep it healthy. I mean, everything about me is, is about this exterior. And if I'm not careful, I can lose sight that Paul would use the example of my body is just a tent. My, my body's just a tent that's holding who I really am. And who I really am in spirit and soul is inside this tent. And one day God will redeem my tent and I'll have a perfect body in heaven and it will be glorious. Amen. Thank, amen. Thank you, Andy. You, you will be glorious too if you're in heaven, right? Like, but, but, but here's what happens. Sometimes then I can forget, I can forget that actually eternity is my destiny. Um, a, a friend of mine wrote a book many years ago entitled The Eclipse of Heaven. And he described it this way. He said, all the things in my life are like an eclipse. If you've ever seen a lunar or a solar eclipse, uh, a solar eclipse where the moon passes between the sun and the earth, and all of a sudden, the sun is no longer visible. And, and my friend wrote in his book that sometimes that's what happens to us as believers with heaven. That sometimes the things of the world can occupy my mind to the point where it eclipses heaven and I forget that this world is not my home. And can I just say, when I'm reminded of an eternal perspective, it then changes how I view my difficult circumstances. It changes how I view my difficult circumstances. Um, finally, we see this, that in the midst of difficult circumstances, we have the prayers of God's people. We have uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we have the promise of eternal life. But then finally, in the midst of difficult circumstances, Paul was satisfied with the purposes of God, with the purposes of God. Uh, Paul, Paul begins this kind of inner dialogue uh, with himself that, that he writes out for you and I, and, and he's kind of wrestling with this, like, I would love to go to heaven and be with Jesus. I would imagine when you're locked up in a place like he was locked up, the idea of heaven would be pretty great, yeah? And so he's thinking, I would love to go to heaven, but actually, there's still work to be done here on earth. And so in that context, Paul says this, I desire to depart and be with Christ. That's his desire. Like, I, I want to go to heaven. 
a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, right? Better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. This is what Paul says. Paul says, if it was my plan, I would just go and be with Jesus. I'm I'm just ready. Remember, he'd already met Jesus once. He met Jesus on the road to Emmaus, right? I'm not on the road to Emmaus. Some other guys met Jesus on the road to to Emmaus. Uh, on the way to Syria, he he meets Jesus, and and remember, it blinds him. Right? He hears Jesus, and just just that encounter. And so, the first time he met Jesus, uh, he knew was going to be very different from the second time he meets Jesus. And so, Paul says, "I like that's what I want. I desire, I hunger." to depart here and be with Jesus. But what I know is it's better for you and God's plan that I remain in the body. And so Paul is saying this. Paul is saying, I'm satisfied with God's purpose for my life for such a time as this. I'm satisfied with God's purpose for my life for such a time as this. So, so Lord, if, if you want me to be in prison, I'll be in prison. Lord, if you want me to be shipwrecked, I'll be shipwrecked. Lord, I'm, I'll be satisfied with your plan and purpose for my life. And so it's no wonder that Paul writes this then in Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Let, let me ask you, would everyone just look right here? I know you're kind of looking up here, but look right here because I want to ask you a question. Are you satisfied with God's current plan and purpose in your life today? Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with God's plan and purpose for your life today? Because if the answer is no, then you'll never get peace in the storm. And sometimes even as believers, we can look, change our circumstances, change our situation, thinking that it will bring us what we're missing, that it will fill the gap. But Paul says, no, it's only by saying, Lord, This is your plan and purpose for such a time as this. I embrace it. It's funny where we look for things. Uh, Several years ago now, about 10 years ago, actually, uh, we were in a situation where we had to move house. So we we were looking for a new place to move, and we were kind of under some time constraints. So we were looking at several houses, and I'll never forget looking at a house in Perry Common, if you know where Perry Common is, but it was right up towards the top of Perry Common. And Christy and I are viewing this house with the estate agent. She walks us through the house, and, you know, we see the, the, the rooms and the water closet and the kitchen, and we're looking through. And so we finished the tour, the three of us, and we're standing in the kitchen, and she says, well, I haven't told you the best part of the house. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, you haven't. And so I'm thinking, like, there's a jacuzzi somewhere, or like there's an underground swimming pool. She's like, no, there. I have not told you the best part of this house. 
it's, it's, the price is good, and there's something amazing about this house. And, and I'm like, yeah, what is it? And she says, you'll have a Sutton Coalfield postcode. Um, and, and at the time, I had no clue what that meant. And, um, and I said, um, oh, I said, why, why is that good? She said, because people think you live in Sutton Coalfield. And I said, um, why is that good? And, um, and she said, you're not from around here, are you? And I'm like, you just figured that out with this accent? Like, you know. Um, and by the way, if you live in Sutton Coalfield, wonderful, right? This, this isn't a sermon about that. But it's a sermon about this. If I live in a certain postcode, then I'll have joy. If I drive a certain car then I'll have joy. If I have a certain amount of money in my bank account, then I'll have joy. If, if, if I'm just a bit taller, a bit shorter, a bit thinner, a bit rounder, if, if, if something changes, then I'll be settled. And Paul says it this way, no, no. He says, I am satisfied with the purposes of God for such a time as this. And so we'll see later in chapter 4, he's able to say, so therefore I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I have little or whether I have much, I'm content because of God's plans and purposes for my life. So I'm going to pray for us. But before I do, I'm, I'm going to ask Ben just to put on some music just quietly for us. Because I actually want to give us an opportunity to respond because I would openly confess to you, my friends and my family, that I don't always do well in the midst of difficult circumstances. Sometimes it doesn't take much to throw me for a loop. My attitudes and actions aren't what they should be sometimes. Sometimes I hide it and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm not satisfied with where God has me. Maybe like me, you would just need the Lord to do a, a new and a fresh work in your heart, saying, Lord, in the midst of these circumstances, in the midst of uh, this time, Lord, may I be encouraged to pray for others. Lord, may I know the power of your Holy Spirit. May, may I, I know the the satisfaction of, of your plans and purposes for my life, would, would you remind me, Jesus, I'm not in this alone? As the music plays, quietly ask the Lord to search you, to know you, and to give you what he can only give, and that's peace, satisfaction, contentment in the midst of the storm. Let's pray.